Hey, welcome to the Resilient Strength Podcast. I am your host, Naomi, owner and head coach at East Coast Strength in Pawtucket, Connecticut. And today we're going to talk about how plyometrics can help strength sports. So plyometrics are often used in more field-based sports, you know, sports like soccer, football, um, basketball, those kinds of sports where the athletes have to be able to move, you know, exceptionally quickly. And they're not necessarily used in strength-based sports, which I think is kind of a shame because there are a lot of benefits that we can get from doing plyometrics. I mean, granted, as we're going to talk about in the episode, plyometrics can be highly fatiguing. And of course, we don't necessarily want to over fatigue ourselves to the point that, you know, we're fatiguing ourselves with one thing and we're not benefiting from another thing because we're just so fatigued from that from that one thing. So we'll talk about how we can use plyometrics in strength based sports kind of training and uh, how we can incorporate those so that, you know, that benefit that we do get from plyometrics along with the fatigue doesn't negatively affect other kinds of training uh, benefits that we're looking to obtain. So I believe that plyometrics can be very, very beneficial within strength sports to improve how fast, how quickly we move that bar which is uh, related to our power production. So when you know I first started working out, I wish that I had included plyometrics a lot more in my own training. Um, unfortunately, you know when I first started out, I obviously didn't know too much, and unfortunately, you know the coaches that I had in in my life were more CrossFit coaches. Um, so plyometrics in that case were strictly more about you know box jumps for high reps so you know we've all seen those memes that show how we would react to videos of ourselves you know lifting a few times uh you know years ago and we cringe and it's something that we can all relate to really well but we can also really look back on a programming or the lack thereof and have some regrets about things that we did or you know maybe we didn't do and for me plyometrics were definitely that thing Um, Not having plyometrics and having power-specific work to improve how explosive I could be. Because, you know, I always say that I'm not an explosive athlete, and I'm not. But the truth is that I didn't have someone in the beginning uh, who programmed for me and who coached me specifically in Olympic weightlifting, which was mainly my focus uh, years ago. And so I didn't specifically have plyometrics or power-based kind of training within my program. And a lot of my program, you know, was either just something that I kind of put together myself or, you know, I pulled it off of a website like most people do. And unfortunately, plyometrics, like I said, are not really included in strength-based programs. So whether you pull it off of a website or you're using, you know, a coach who is programming for you, I think that we need to kind of start to head in this direction where we use plyometrics or we incorporate more power-based kind of stuff, which I I will differentiate what I mean by power-based training versus plyometrics training. But we really need to start incorporating these kinds of training methods within strength-based sports because it can be hugely beneficial to it. So in uh, episode six of the Resilient Strength Podcast, I talked about motor unit recruitment. 
And in that episode, we talked about how low and high threshold motor units are recruited based upon the need for either endurance or force or velocity. And high threshold motor units are recruited for force, velocity, and for speed. But just because you are recruiting high threshold motor units when you're doing some really heavy lifting, that does not necessarily mean that you are then going to recruit high threshold motor units to be able to produce, you know, speed and velocity. So first of all, let's let's kind of take a pause and review a few basic terms because I've heard a lot of coaches and I've heard a lot of just general people get these kinds of terms mixed up. So just so you understand what I mean when I'm talking about velocity and power and force. So velocity is how quickly an object moves in a specific direction. Force, on the other hand, is how the mass of the object is accelerated. So a heavy object requires more force and accelerates slower, but a lighter object requires less force and accelerates faster. And acceleration is the rate in the change of velocity from one point to another over a given time. So for example, a car accelerating. How fast a car can accelerate from zero to 60 miles per hour. And we can then kind of see that in terms of the bar, how quickly the bar accelerates from a rested place, like if we're doing a deadlift, that rested place on the floor, how fast it accelerates from that place to where you stop in full extension. Power is force, which is how the mass of an object is accelerated, and that's multiplied by velocity, which is how quickly an object moves in a specific direction. So when I'm talking about velocity versus force, they are two very different uh, aspects of physics. Velocity is, you know, we're looking at how quickly we're moving something. Force is how we are accelerating and putting force and strength to move an object. Power is the combination of those two things. So we're producing force, but we're trying to produce force very quickly to to move an object as fast as possible. So many can get these terms really confused with one another. You know, I've seen and heard coaches use power when they meet force and vice versa. So although they are related, um, as you can see, you know, we can see how force and velocity are related. They are also very different aspects of physics and how you train determines which of those is improved and which we are actually training. So the rate and speed at which you train the muscles is the rate and speed at which your muscles will then perform. So if all you are doing is slow, heavy grinding work, you're working at 85 to 90% or more, you're always trying to hit new one rep maxes. If that's all you're doing, then you're training your muscles to produce force, yes and you are recruiting high threshold motor units. Unfortunately, you are not training your muscles to move quickly. And we're gonna talk about how training those muscles to produce force quickly can be really beneficial to getting stronger. So not only is it really important for sports like Olympic weightlifting, but it's also important for sports that we think are really just focused on maximal strength, you know, like powerlifting and strongman. So improving power and velocity output 
can help powerlifting training to increase the speed of the bar. You know, think about getting stuck in those those sticking points. You know, you're coming up in a squat and you get that sticking point and you kind of slow down as you have to kind of grit your teeth and try and get past that, that sticking point. Well, plyometrics and power-based training can really help to be able to improve the velocity and how fast you get past that. In strongman training, it's not just about really moving heavy weights, but it's also about moving weights quickly. You know, you're you're competing against somebody else who is also moving heavy weights, but you want to be faster than that person. So think about if you're running down a line for an Atlas Stone to platform where the weight increases down that line. While you're running down that same line against somebody else, and if they get to the end before you, then they're faster. So you have to get through as quickly as possible to beat your competition. Another example is a keg or a sandbag toss. You know, the vertical power production that you have to create to be able to toss a keg or a sandbag over a pole is the same kind of vertical power production in an Olympic snatch and Olympic clean. So they're very, very similar in terms of the kind of benefits and you know, muscular recruitment that we're looking to improve. So, you know, like I mentioned, the speed at which force is, you know, produced is the speed at which you are training. So speed at force is generated, defined as, you know, the rate of force development or RFD, if you happen to see that, that, um, those three letters in any kind of article. So rate of force development is the rate the neuromuscular system can maximally contract the muscles in a short amount of time at max speed. So rate of force development can be calculated by dividing peak force that has been generated during the lift. And we talked about peak force as being the force that you're generating to lift a mass of an object in acceleration. So when we're looking at peak force generated during the lift, we're also looking at time intervals measured in milliseconds. So we're dividing the peak force that you've generated by the time in which you lifted that weight in milliseconds. So how much time it takes to reach peak force. It makes sense then that you know heavier loads lifted at a slower rate of force development compared to lighter weights are going to have not quite as great of a rate of force development because the thing is is that when we're looking at rate of force development note that word force that's in there so we do have to have some sort of mass of an object we do have to have a weight that we have to lift that is going to be significant in order to have to produce force to accelerate that bar as quickly as possible so that means that training at different variations in load and speed of movement are really going to be important for increasing your rate of force development as well as your velocity. So that's where plyometrics can come into play. Now, generally plyometrics are really fast contraction movements at higher velocities and speed without any kind of load. And they are going to, we're going to discuss how they can help, but they won't necessarily improve rate of force development because as I mentioned, we do have to have some sort of force that we're creating to be able to get that, but they will help to be able to recruit those muscles to you know, contract 
as quickly as possible. And then that is then going to translate into improving rate of force development with power training specifically. So power training can include any variation along the loading spectrum from an unloaded plyometrics to light loads or in, you know, some sort of a non-specific movement, you know, something like med balls, for example, um, or a specific movement in heavier loads, you know, something like a uh, snatch pull or a clean pull, something like that. So when we include plyometrics without load, that doesn't necessarily mean that the movement isn't going to be intense. Just because we don't have weight that we're moving, it doesn't mean it's not intense. Because intensity can be created in many ways, such as a drop or a depth jump from varying box heights. So incorporating plyometrics will influence the rate of force development by improving how quickly we will contract those muscles to produce force into the ground in the movements that we're performing through those plyometrics, you know, like drop jumps, step jumps, um, and we're going to talk about another way, which is counter movement jumps. So progressing plyometrics can then enhance power performance variables, like increasing power by transferring to an explosive movement with load. And when we transfer that kind of movement, we transfer the training adaption that we've achieved through contracting our muscles very quickly, we can then transfer that kind of performance enhancement to training specific kind of movements, like getting out of the hole of a squat or being able to get past our knees in a deadlift or being able to run down the line of an Atlas Stone loading platform as quickly as possible. So one way is counter movement jumps, um, for example, have been used in research studies and athletic assessments as a way to indicate power and velocity. So they're used when assessing an athlete and they've been used, for example, in uh, football to assess how quickly and how powerful uh, an athlete can be. And basically a counter movement jump is just, you know, a vertical leap. So there have been studies to, you know, indicate the correlation between an increase in that person's power and their assessing actual power in terms of data by, a, you know, different technology. But they're able to see that there's an increase in power when performing a snatch and clean variation and how that correlates to an increase in jump velocity and height in a counter movement jump. So like I said, a counter movement jump is simply a vertical jump. It's when you perform a vertical jump, you load up the legs by dipping into a quarter squat and then quickly jump up. You know, one variation is you can place your hands on your hips and you keep your hands on your hips the whole movement. And in that way, it puts more emphasis on leg drive. Another variation is you can use your, your arms and your hands to help with that momentum. So the counter movement jump is a low impact movement with a really long ground contact time. So in other words, it's not so hard on the body in terms of low impact. And when you spend more time on the ground, you are then producing more force into the ground to accelerate up. So this is where we can see how plyometrics and variations in plyometrics can improve the rate of force development simply because of the rate of force that you are producing into the ground to then quickly uh, contract your muscles. So with the counter movement jump, we are spending more time on the ground to then produce that force into the ground to jump up. 
And in this way, we can see how it can transfer well to something like a snatch, clean, deadlift, or even a squat. Because you are producing force into the ground through to the mass or the weight that you uh, that's on the bar that you are moving. And then accelerate that bar up. So that rate of force development that we're producing through a plyometric movement, like I said, is more or less the force that you're producing into the ground. So a more intense plyometric variation would be something like a drop jump where you step off of a box and then you immediately rebound jumping back into the air when you land. So the intensity is created with the box height and usually to start off with in order to properly progress plyometrics for people is to start off with something around like six inches. So obviously that's not very high, but again, we're talking about how we're in already increasing the intensity of plyometrics. That means, you know, the impact that this movement is having upon your body as you land onto the ground and immediately have to accelerate jumping back up, you are impacting your body in that landing in that rebound. You're putting a whole lot of load upon your joints, ligaments, muscles, tendons, etc. So the intensity is created by the rebound, which makes it a really high impact movement. But in comparison to the counter movement jump, it has a very short ground contact time because you want to rebound as quickly as possible into a vertical leap when you land from the box. So because intensity can still occur even without load, we then have to consider the potential negative impact an additional training exercise can have on our body and our training. Like I said earlier, plyometrics are a very highly fatiguing movement. And when we have all kinds of other training methods that are included within our full training program, you know, you're doing accessory work, you're doing high intensity work, you're lifting a lot of load, you're, you're lifting a ton of volume. Plyometrics are highly fatiguing, so you're just adding another fatiguing aspect onto your training. So we really have to consider how we can properly not only progress plyometrics in terms of like what I mentioned before with starting with like a six inch box versus a 20 inch box when we're just starting out. We also want to think about how we can progress them and how we can incorporate them so that plyometrics add to our training rather than take away. Because the more fatigued you are, the more fatigue that you create, then the less adaption that you are actually going to get. Yeah, we all love that feeling of walking out of the gym and just feeling completely wrecked and spent and that makes us feel like we did something, but that's not necessarily the case. We might have benefited benefited more from the training that we did earlier in our training session than what we did later on just because of how fatigue affects that adaption. So proper progressions are really important to be able to elicit strength and adaptions and, you know, to improve correct techniques, stabilize joints under high impact load, stress, you know, all that kind of stuff, as well as progressing the intensity and difficulty in plyometrics that we're then going to get some sort of benefit out of it and you know, reduce any kind of injury that we might get. So like I said, plyometrics can be really fatiguing and we want to keep in mind whether that new thing, which is in this case plyometrics, is really going to add a benefit or if it's just going to add so much fatigue that we not only don't really benefit from the plyometrics, but we also don't really benefit from anything else. And we don't want that, right? 
So in episode 10, I talked about the importance of a specific warm-up. And this is one way that I personally introduced and increased plyometrics for my strength clients. I incorporate it into their warm-up so then it's not another strength training or, you know, specific sports kind of thing in their training that's going to take away from anything else. So in a warm-up, it's not only important to have an efficient general warm-up to raise, you know, heart rate, get muscles activated, increase your core temperature, you know, improve any kind of areas of flexibility and mobility, etc. But we also want a more specific warm-up that's designed to stimulate similar movement patterns that are executed during our training or competition. So then that way, neurophysiology aspects are also activated, including our perception of effort. So perception of effort is defined in the Encyclopedia of Perceptions as the conscious sensation of how hard, heavy, and strenuous a physical task is. In 2016, there was a study that refers to this perception of effort as a cognitive feeling of how hard the work may be perceived, which subsequently affects how much effort then that individual may be able to produce for muscular contraction, power, and force. So we can see how perception of effort may then affect how well someone may be able to produce force or velocity. If they have not properly warmed up, by the time they are producing this high intensity or heavy load, their perception of the effort is so great that their ability to perform is reduced. So looking back at episode six, where we talked about maximum effort equals maximum results, we can see how plyometrics in the warm-up may actually stimulate rate of force development and explosive effort because we're increasing how quickly our muscles will contract. And by increasing that perception, we can then limit how hard that person perceives high intensity type movements. So think of hitting a single back squat at 90% of your one rep max. You just walk in the door, you walk up cold to that bar. How heavy is that bar gonna feel? You haven't warmed up, you haven't done any of your mobility, nothing. You just walk straight up to that bar cold and you lift it. Compared to you go in, you do your general warm up, you do your stretches, your mobility, you start slowly adding weight to the bar to increase up to that 90%. How much easier then is that bar going to feel? Well, it's the same thing. If we can include plyometrics into our warm up, we're going to increase our perception of effort because we're already kind of stimulated to contract very quickly. So the same case can be seen then for increasing power and velocity. We need to have a warm-up that increases that neurophysiological effort. So like I said earlier, though, you know, movements have to be specific to that type of movement that you're going to be doing. So not necessarily just going in and bounding around is going to help. But what is the movement that you're going to be doing in your training session? And what kind of plyometrics then can we do that is more related to that specific movement to increase the physiological uh, factors of that movement? So for example, example, excuse me, counter movement jumps, drop jumps, med ball throws, or sandbag tosses are not necessarily specific 
in terms of they look exactly like a specific movement, but we are actually activating physiological and mechanical factors of a performance. So we can see how maybe doing sandbag tosses and a warm-up could be really great for doing snatches in your training. So like I said, plyometrics can be highly fatiguing and we don't want to create so much fatigue that we take away from other areas in training. But if you're not used to velocity training, then in this way, incorporating a single, just, just one single plyometric movement, you know, like a counter movement jump into one or two workouts within a week. Like don't overdo it. Don't throw a shit ton of plyometric exercises in every single one of your, your warmups. Just like choose one, incorporate it into one or two, depending upon like what you're going to be doing. If you're going to be doing something where you want to be able to increase how quickly you move the bar, then include one plyometric movement in your, your warmup before training. And then you will be able to increase that neural drive and improve your rate of force development. So lifting heavier weights faster, getting past that sticking point, and eventually hitting new PRs. So that's all we have for today, but subscribe to the podcast and stay tuned because in future episodes, I'm going to talk about other ways of increasing power, like lifting with bands and chains and other kind of methods beyond just plyometrics. And you don't want to miss out. So thanks for listening and I will talk to you guys later. Bye.